All right. Well, hey, how you guys doing? Awesome. Hey, welcome to Genesis. My name is Mike. I'm the pastor here. I just want to say welcome to Genesis. Uh, and, and at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that when you came through the door that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we're glad you're here. Who enjoyed the pancakes tonight? Yes. Uh, shout out to Emily... Ryan, Ariel, Caroline, all, can we just give them a round of applause for making all those? <laughs> so we did yes. So today is actually, we didn't know this beforehand, but today is like Pancake Day. Yeah, it's National, International Pancake Day. Uh, it's something to do with uh, Ash Wednesday and Lent. And so I saw it on Twitter this morning. It's like the number three Trending topic, and I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit. So <laughs> this, well, this month at Genesis, we are, uh, we are starting tonight, we are doing a, a fundraiser for Mission Hope, which is an organization that, that we are partners with through which we sponsor two villages in Nicaragua. And so we are cutting costs on our end, on the Genesis budget, uh, to, at the end of the month, be able to make a sizable donation to this organization, to these two villages. And so instead of pizza and Chick-fil-A, we're going to have pancakes like we did tonight and ramen and cereal and PB&Js and things like that. Uh, and also all merch sales will go towards the fundraiser as well. And so because we are doing that, we are challenging you to do the same. So instead of uh, maybe spending that money on coffee or, or out at a restaurant, to maybe bring 10 bucks this month to give to the fundraiser. Because I think if, if everybody that came through the doors at Genesis throughout the month just gave 10 bucks, we would easily be able to give over $1,000 to the uh, to Mission Hope this month. And so uh, that money is going to aid in the spread of the gospel and, and clean water efforts and also for health and wellness. And so I'm excited and, and expectant for what God's going to do in that. And, I, and I'm really believing that total is going to be significant by the end of the month. So that's something you guys can get behind this month. Awesome. So tonight we are beginning a, a series called Romans 8 that will be taking us through you could probably guess Romans chapter eight. And so this is a powerful chapter. I've been looking forward to, to the month of March for a while. I knew this series was coming up and I'm really excited about it. Um, and so I'm ready to get this going. But before we do that, I wanna know, who in here is like a highly competitive person? Yes, a lot of hands. Yeah, so I'm a pretty uh, competitive person in pretty much everything that I do. Um, sports, when I played when I was younger, church softball, uh, fantasy football, fantasy basketball, board games, catchphrase, white elephant parties, um, you name it. I'm very competitive. And so uh, me and Emily actually went towards the end of her, uh, toward the end of her pregnancy. We weren't really going a lot of places because it wasn't fun to go a lot of places. And so we would do like board game Olympics. Uh, and we did this a few times where we would play like best of seven of Connect Four and then best two out of three on sequence. And then I don't know, like a third game, and you had to win two out of three to win the night, and I would never win, and it drove me insane. Um, and so, uh, in other words, when it comes to competition, I'm always looking at the scoreboard because the scoreboard defines success in competition. It shows if you're winning or losing. It shows if you're ahead or if you're behind. And so staring at the scoreboard is not always the, the healthiest thing in life, but we're gonna see tonight that staring at the scoreboard is definitely not the healthiest thing when it comes to your faith. And so I'm gonna go ahead and pray 
and then we will jump into the verses for tonight. God, I thank you so much for, uh, for bringing us here safely tonight. God, I thank you for uh, blessing us with dinner tonight. And, and I pray over this word. God, I thank you for speaking through the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 8 and, and giving us so many powerful truths to talk about tonight. And so, God, I pray that your voice would speak louder than my own tonight and that we would be closer to you on the way out than we were coming in. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Awesome. So like I said, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 tonight. So you can go ahead and, and turn there. Uh, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles, especially during a series like this where we're going through uh, a chapter of the Bible. And uh, if, you know, if you already do that, that's awesome. But if you don't, the verses are always going to be on the screen for you. But while you're turning there, I want to give you some context to what we're reading tonight. The, the book of Romans is said to be the most important theological work ever written. The majority of the, the doctrine that our faith rests on is discussed in the book of Romans. And it's written by the Apostle Paul, and, he, and he's writing about salvation to a group of believers who had never sat under the teaching of an apostle before. And so if you read Romans, if you've ever read it before, if you're, you, you'll see it tonight, that the way he writes in Romans, he's writing to a group of very educated, well-read people. And so sometimes when you read Romans, it might be kind of hard to follow. Um, and so like I said, we'll see that tonight. But the thing is, is that while he's using this language and, and, and like I said, very like kind of talking to well-read people, the, the subject matter is not the, the, not the hardest to understand. It's, you know, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about very foundational things that, that are a part of our faith. And so tonight we're going to read the first 11 verses. And so many of these powerful truths that, that Paul writes are, are in chapter eight. And so we're going to start with Romans 8, one through four. And so this is what it says. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So like I said, we, uh, and so Paul begins this, this chapter by giving us a, a layout of the gospel. And so he starts here with like this haymaker to the lies of Satan by saying that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so before we get too deep into this tonight, that first verse makes something very clear for us. That, that first of all, if tonight you find yourself maybe on the fringes of your faith, or if you're not quite sure about this whole God thing. This verse tells us that there is no one that is too far gone and that it's never too late for you to come to Christ. That if that's you tonight and you're worried that you haven't lived right or you haven't helped enough old ladies cross the street or helped enough, you know, get enough cats out of trees and you feel like when you approach Jesus that you're afraid of how he's going to react to you, you need to hold tight to this truth. That if you put your faith in Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. And second, if you're someone who, who maybe has believed for a while, and the enemy keeps bringing back these old mistakes or these old failures back into your mind, you need to hold tight to this truth. You need to know tonight that you are forgiven and you are set free and the past has no hold on you anymore if you are in Christ Jesus. And so when the enemy tries to bring those things back up into your mind, you need to know that God doesn't speak in a tongue of condemnation. And so when that happens, any, any guilt or shame that you feel, you need to know that it has been nailed to the cross and defeated for good. So that's verse one. So as Paul continues in verse two, he talks about the, the law of sin and death. And he says that when God sent Jesus to earth to, to live, die, rise again, that did what the law 
couldn't do. It says that Jesus condemned sin so that we may be found righteous in the eyes of God. And then in turn, not live for ourselves, but live for him. So that begs the question, first of all, what is the law? What is the law? It talks about the law of sin and death. And then also, why couldn't it save us? If, if it says that, that, that God did what the, what the law and the flesh couldn't do, why couldn't it do it? So those are good questions. So the law was a long, intricate set of rules that was put into place by God after sin entered the world. And so if you're ever feeling adventurous, I would encourage you to go read Leviticus, go read Deuteronomy, and you'll see just the sheer amount of rules and regulations that God put into place. And so the function of the law was was to essentially highlight and label and expose our sin. It took sin from just being like this general rebellion from God to being a specific rebellion from God. And here's a good way for me to explain it. When I was, when I was 19, I worked at a rec center in the area. I'm not gonna tell you which one. You'll find out in a second. And one day, DHEC came in, which is Department of Health and Environment, Environmental Control, yeah, came in for an inspection. And the people in charge of the rec center were not ready for the inspection. And it turned out that the rec center had committed 400 violations, 400 violations from the kitchen to the pool, et cetera. Now, if DHEC would have came in and said, you're violating our regulations, you could say, okay, I'm sorry, I'll try to fix it. But really, how do you know what to fix? But instead, DHEC came in and said, you have violated 400 specific, uh, specific regulations. Here is a list of them. And so when that happens, you would say, you know, as you're turning through page after page of the report, like, wow, this is really bad. And so sin, it existed before the law, but when God put the law into place, it was like handing over the report and getting specific and putting labels on things and saying, no, you need to understand how serious this is. The purpose of the law was to expose how sinful we are. It was intentionally impossible to abide by. And God used it as a a mirror to our brokenness. He's like, you wanna find out how sinful you are? Look in the mirror, look at the law and you'll find out. And so when we look at this law, we can now see our sin. And when we see our sin, we then in turn see our need for a savior. The law doesn't save us because it was never meant to. The law was meant to expose our need for Jesus. And so when Jesus came to earth, he, he lived by this law perfectly. So that when he died, it was the the perfect and final sacrifice. So now we're not under this old covenant of of the law. We're instead under the new covenant of grace. So that when we sin, we don't have to go kill a goat or we're not shunned from the camp for a week. Instead, we're forgiven and we're, we're set free from that and we are given grace to try again. So now we're not saved by what we do, but by our faith in Jesus. Righteousness was the requirement that that we couldn't meet on our own. And so Jesus did that for us. And actually it says that in verse four, it says that Jesus condemned sin so that the righteous requirement might be fulfilled in us. So here's the problem with us as Christians watching the scoreboard in our life. So I mentioned the scoreboard earlier. Here's the problem with that. If we think, you know, okay, to be a good Christian, to be a good person, to to be right with God, I need to score more good points than bad points. 
that I need the good to beat the bad and I'll be fine. Well, these verses that tells us that that's not the case. That's not the case. Paul says very bluntly, he says, God did what the law and the flesh could not do. And so if you keep score, you lose. If you keep score with God, you're going to lose every single time. And I think about that, you know, if you if you want to if you're watching the scoreboard and you feel like you're losing, what is that what, what comes with that? Guilt, shame. But if you look at the scoreboard and you feel like you're winning, what comes with that? Pride, arrogance. We're not meant to be watching the scoreboard. And God knew this. And that's why through the work of Jesus, God doesn't keep score with us anymore. We don't have to live in this constant state of competition when it comes to our salvation. And so if God is not keeping score, why are we? Why are you? Constantly worrying about if we're measuring up or or being good enough or scoring more points, living like that is exhausting because it's fighting a losing battle. We're not gonna win against God. And so maybe it's time that we take our eyes off the scoreboard. As we move forward, Paul is gonna show us how to do that. Let's keep reading. These are the next four verses. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so Paul says here that if you, if you live according to the flesh, you set your mind on the things of the flesh. If you live according to the spirit, you set your minds on the things of the spirit. Flesh brings death, spirit brings life and peace. So thankfully, Paul gives us an alternative to the scoreboard. So this is gonna be a powerful truth for your life. I, I, really, I really believe this. this. I hope this changes a lot of things for you tonight. And I wanna preface with this, okay? So many pastors and many, many speakers will encourage note-taking. I don't do that because preaching to me is a lot different than a classroom because you're not gonna have to take a multiple choice test on what I say. You're instead gonna be tested by life when you walk out, and that's what I care about. And so I don't encourage note-taking. I want you to feel like it's an option for you because for some people, notes are really a distraction. So I say that to say, not that I don't think you should take notes. That works for you, that's awesome. I never want you to feel forced to do so. But this will be one of those rare times when I do encourage you to take notes because I feel like some of you are gonna miss what I'm about to say and I don't want you to. So Paul gives us here an alternative to the scoreboard and he gives us the dashboard, okay? So tonight, if you wanna write something at the top, scoreboard versus dashboard. We're all familiar with dashboards, right? In your car, you've got gas gauge, miles per hour, RPM, temperature gauge. Why is that dashboard important when you're driving? Well, you need to know how fast you're going. You need to know if your car's about to blow up. And you need to know if you're about to run out of gas and be walking. The dashboard helps you monitor your status as the driver of the vehicle. And so with Paul telling us here to to set our minds on the things of the spirit, he's telling us that no, when it comes to the scoreboard, you lose. But by setting your mind on the things of the spirit, you can begin to monitor how you are living as a follower of Christ. How am I treating people? How's my thought life? How am I uh, talking? Am I trying to honor God and what I do? 
These are ways to monitor how close you are walking with Jesus. And so Paul is telling us here to take our eyes off the scoreboard and put them on the dashboard. Stop keeping score and start keeping tabs. You know, I, I, I want to I tell you guys tonight, we need to rest in our salvation, but we don't need to rest in doing good. Rest in your salvation, but don't rest in doing good. Rest in your salvation, but don't rest in what God's called you to do. And don't rest in how God's called you to live. I heard a pastor say the other day that there's a, a difference between earning and effort. When you live a life that tries to earn the grace of God, then that means you're watching the scoreboard and you're gonna lose. But when you live a life that makes an effort to live for God, that means you can watch the dashboard and monitor how that's going. We're not keeping score for salvation. We're monitoring how we're living, either in the spirit or in the flesh. In verse six, Paul says it so well. He says, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. The flesh wants to war and fight for salvation. The spirit rests in it. When you're in Christ, you can rest. You can feel secure. You don't have to scratch and claw to get your way to God. He's done the work on the scoreboard. So now we do the work on the dashboard. Let's keep reading these last three verses for tonight. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So as we read the the last three verses for tonight, we're ending on some really good news. Paul says here that even though we are dead in the flesh, even though we're dead in our sin, that even though the report is in front of us and we have so many violations, that even though the scoreboard says we lose, we have hope. We have hope in the work of Christ. That because of him, we have new life instead of death. That we have new grace instead of condemnation. That we've been shown mercy when we didn't deserve it. When we could do nothing to save ourselves, Christ did it for us. And now, as it says in verse 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, lives inside of you. And and if it was able to bring Jesus back to life, it can bring you back to life as well. And so if you came in here tonight and you've been burdened and weighed down by guilt or shame or failures or not measuring up, if you came in here weighed down with the weight of looking at the scoreboard and realizing that you're not ahead, If you came in here tonight thinking that you were looking at the scoreboard and you were doing awesome and you're struggling with pride or you're dealing with arrogance, you need to know tonight that that weight has been shouldered by the God of the universe. And in him, there is new life for you. There are new chances for you. You don't have to walk around with the weight of your past anymore. You don't have to walk around with the weight of trying to measure up anymore or the weight of trying to be good enough anymore. If there's still breath in your lungs, there's still a chance to be made new and set free by Jesus. And I'm talking to all of us tonight, whether you're not convinced about God or whether you've been walking with Jesus for years, this is something that is so easy to fall into. And I know some of you here tonight find yourself having this mindset. And so I pray that tonight that you take that chance to find new life to to the point where you're not walking around with this weight of trying to be good enough anymore. Pray that you stop trying to earn it. 
and start resting in the completed work of Christ. One that's uh, living a life that, that stops looking at the scoreboard and starts looking at the dashboard, a life that will lead to more life, not death. I encourage you tonight, stop keeping score. You can go ahead and stand up with me. Wherever you find yourself tonight, I, I, don't, I don't know every situation, but I know God does. And you didn't walk through here tonight on accident. You walked in here tonight for a reason. And so wherever you find yourself tonight, whether you feel broken, lost, confused, not sure about God, overwhelmed, lonely, hurt, angry, whatever it is, I want you to know tonight that you are loved more deeply than you could ever imagine. And you're loved by a God that, that, that cared about you so much that he didn't want to keep score with you. He wanted a relationship with you. He didn't want you to feel like you had to earn it. He sent his son to die for you that while you were still, though, losing on the scoreboard, you have victory in Christ. That is enough for you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I wanna tell you tonight, the pressure's off. You don't have to try to earn it anymore. And for those of you who feel like you've been able to earn it, you haven't. Salvation is a gift. It's not earned by any of us. And if we're all watching the scoreboard, we all lose. But we have victory in Jesus. So tonight, I wanna encourage you, as we respond, be thankful that the love of Jesus is enough for that. And also, as you go out of here tonight, make that your prayer. God, help me. Take the, today, take the, help me to take the, my eyes off the scoreboard and put them on the dashboard. I'm not keeping score. I'm gonna keep tabs. I'm gonna monitor how I'm living, but all the while knowing my salvation is secure. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for the incredible truth that we don't have to watch the scoreboard anymore because you took care of it for us. We can instead look at the dashboard, live a life full of the spirit and not of the flesh and know that when we stumble, when we mess up, we can pick ourselves back up dust ourselves off, believe in the gospel and know that it was enough for us and we can try again. Now, thank you, God, that even though you put a mirror in front of us, a mirror that showed our brokenness, a mirror that showed our sinfulness, you didn't leave us there. All you did was show us our need for your son. So God, I pray that we would embrace that tonight. And as we leave here, that we would take our eyes off the scoreboard, put them on the dashboard, start living for you. In Jesus' name, amen.